Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, teaching business students how to fail. You know, I set up my uh, class and I give them assignments that are pretty much undoable. Mm -hmm. So they'll fail. And so we go back in the class and we discuss it and debrief it. And I sort of try to train them to sort of anticipate or, you know, how does it feel when you fail? Technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and others are going to drive innovation in the 21st century. Universities in our region are a place where many of these technologies are being developed and advanced. Matching entrepreneurial behavior with these technologies is a key issue for developing a region further. Our next guest is at the forefront of that as a professor at one of our region's leading business schools. And as a business founder in the studio with me is Jim Liu, co-founder of SoCat and assistant professor at Johns Hopkins Business School. Jim, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, you and I did a panel together, and I w was very struck. You're a unicorn. A professor university is also starting a business. Let's talk a little bit about SoCat. What is your current entrepreneurial activity? SoCat is a small business, uh, women-owned, and it does uh, machine learning, AI, and blockchains. And we're a full-stack uh, development team based out of Maryland. And, uh, you know, our clients that we go after are in the federal space, um, also asset managers and um, academic institutions. And so what we try to do is find real disruptors. And we want to use technology to help disrupt industries. So, they, so the ideal client has a lot of data and they're looking to create uh, predictive models or create solutions that will help their um, customers at the end of the day. So what you're describing to me is very much what I perceive as being on the outside edge of software technology and where we're going. What is it like for you personally to be engaged in an entrepreneurial activity at the same time that you're teaching entrepreneurship at a local business school? The good thing about actually practicing an entrepreneurship is that I can bring all these lessons back in the classroom. So I teach an entrepreneurial finance course and I try to make it as real world as possible and so that I can educate the students on how difficult it is in order to get clients, in order to build businesses, in order to sort of build teams and so forth. So I, I try to make it a, as realistically as possible. And, you know, I, I, I'm of the school where I think you should practice what you preach. So you go out there and, you know, get in the uh, trenches and actually do it and try to scale businesses and then bring back the lessons um, into the classroom. Entrepreneurship, in my experience, is very much... Uh get your hands dirty kind of activity. I have had people say to me, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, that you can't teach somebody to be an entrepreneur. I know I have my own answer for that question. What's yours? Well, I think that's a, that's a very good question. You know, I, th I think you can teach a lot of um, lessons and experiences and mistakes. And, you know, one of the lessons that I learned, you know, early on is that, you know, every time that you go out there and you fall on your face, you have to get yourself up. And a lot of people who are not very good entrepreneurs is they fell on their face once or twice or three times and they didn't get themselves up and they went back to the industry and they took, you know, their nine to five job, whatever it may be. But, you know, successful entrepreneurs, if you look at their lives and you study sort of how they do it, um, people fall down all the time. And so there's some resiliency in getting up. And I think that's really important. And, you know, no, nobody has success 100 percent of the time. Everyone's falling down all the time. The most important aspect of, you know, when you make mistakes or you get uh, some kind of setback to your entrepreneurial career or journey is that you learn something. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I set up my uh, class and I give them assignments that are pretty much undoable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they'll fail. 
And so we go back in the class and we discuss it and debrief it. And I sort of try to train them to sort of anticipate or, you know, how does it feel when you fail? You know, what are you supposed to do? You th- you come back, you talk about it, you discuss it. You like, what are the lessons? Why did this this strategy not work? How could I have I done it a different way? And there's also, you know, in the classroom teams that do a good job. And then they share uh, what were, were, were some of the ways to have success on, you know, these tasks. So I purposely set them up with really, really difficult things to do. And I think that's a great learning lesson for, you know, a lot of the students. Now, there are some people who do, absolutely do not need to go to school to go become very successful entrepreneurs. Um, so, you know, that's it's it's not for everybody. But, you know, for, for the people that we have in our um, classrooms, usually it's people trying to transition from, you know, one career into another career. And so a lot of people are still trying to figure out what they really, really want to do. And so I think the classroom is a great environment to learn some of these lessons. So I'm going to ask you a hard question as a teacher. Absolutely. Give me an example. What's your favorite moment for when you saw one of your students really get it? It's it's actually pretty interesting. When you're in the classroom and you're having a discussion and, you know, you can actually see their faces. You know, you know, people talk about this light bulb going above their heads, right? You can actually see that because they're inspired. Their eyes get brighter. They get more animated. They get all fired up. Uh, you know, afterwards, you know, you, you can tell that they, they learned something about it. Um, you know, one of, one of the examples is I was teaching an executive course and there was a doctor and this guy was a very successful entrepreneur and um, he had a couple of different companies that he was running. And, you know, some, sometimes, you know, you know, what we teach is that um, for certain companies, you know, a founder that's, that's inside there can get too emotional with a company and not make bad decisions and, you know, sort of pull down the company. And sometimes it's better to sort of bring in a new CEO and pull yourself away because you get so emotionally attached to these companies, you're not making sort of, you know, good um, logical decisions. And so, you know, I was asking him, I was asking him what, what, were, what were the most successful companies he started. And it was kind of funny because he, he, he came to the conclusion, the one that he sort of let go and have someone else run was the most successful. And when he looks back at, you know, his career and all the companies that he created, that was the best decision to pull himself away because he was too emotionally attached to that company. Like the old song, hold on loosely. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, everything I learned in life, I learned from rock and roll. Jim, before <laughs> I let you go, last question. For the policymakers and people listening, what do we need to do better so that there are 1,000 Jim Lou's in this region or 10,000? Oh, that, that's an easy question. And there are some uh, real thought leaders out there in the federal space. And, you know, um, Jose Areta at HHS, what we should do is we should just clone him 100 times and we should just drop him in, at, you know, all the different agencies because he's thinking about it in the right way. Um, I think that, you know, we've got to push the um, you, you got to push the frontier, you know, employing technology and we can't be scared of this stuff. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think what's going to happen is that um, you know, we can reduce, you know, um, we can save quite a bit of money using technology, absolutely down in D.C. And, you know, we, we can repurpose uh, people for sort of more complex jobs. And some of this uh, rote automation, you know, we will absolutely save, you know, technology will save a lot of taxpayers' dollars. Well, Jim, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us today. It was very influential and interesting. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. It's Jim Liu, co-founder of SOCAD and assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University Business School. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. And a special thank you to our show's sponsors. Without their help, we wouldn't be able to put What's Working in Washington on the air and share the great stories we all hear every week. Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, their business development team can help you find the best talent 
an ideal location, the latest in market and business intelligence. Your business success starts with MCEDC. Connect with them at thinkmoco.com. JLL is the leading commercial real estate services company within the Washington, D.C. metro area, serving the technology, government contracting, and professional services industries. JLL's strategy-led approach and expert implementation results in cost-effective and flexible real estate solutions that help their clients succeed and grow. And TEDCO, TEDCO invests in early-stage tech and life science companies. It provides resources and connections that companies need to thrive in Maryland. TEDCO's mission is to discover, invest in, and help build great companies. Learn more at www.tedco.md.